0: Hey there beautiful people, welcome to Fan the podcast for all those complex and complicado conversations about the gray areas in our lives. I'm Trey Anderson. And I am journalist,
1: author, and fan of the Kardashians, Jarrett Hill. Getting into, a little bit later on, we're going to be getting into a conversation that I am... Way beyond excited that we're finally having on this show about the Kardashians, the family, the show, the empire, the good, the bad, and the curvy. Um, We're going to get into all of it. I'm exhausted already. (laughs) We're going to... I I can promise you, you have not heard a conversation about the Kardashians like the one we're about to have. I can guarantee you that. Um, And whether or not you can relate or watch the show or not, it is a conversation that I think you will appreciate. So give me a chance here because I promise you you're going to enjoy it. Um, Travell certainly didn't, but
0: everyone else will. Um, uh, (laughs) No, actually. I did enjoy it. It was good, y'all. It was good. It was good. It was good. <laughs> Listen, it's, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Okay, but first, we've got a pass the popcorn. You know, I'm not even going to do too much of a setup. All I'm going to say is that a one public enemy, Flavor Flav, sung the national anthem at a Bucks game recently. Mira please roll the beautiful bean footage.
2: Bagel, bagel.
0: the land
1: Great, Whitney Houston once said wow what a moment um I okay so we haven't done this on the show in a while where like you're playing something for me for the first time that I haven't seen this came up on Sherry last night and like I muted it and looked away so I wouldn't hear it so I would see it on the show here live and I'm wow uh moved by what I just saw Um, Sherry did say that this was, like, a lifelong dream of his, a bucket list goal of his. And, like, from that perspective, go in. Otherwise, wow.
0: He released a statement after, you know, this video was posted and people started, you know, dragging him to the seventh circle of hell. And he said that, you know, it was that he's not worried about what people are saying and that, you know, when you have a dream... You should always try it because the only way you fail is if you don't try or something like that. And, you know, I have to say we discussed this on on, on over there on Woodity and I will repeat here. I love the reframing that Flavor Flav is challenging us to do here by saying that, you know, if you have a dream, if your dream mm-hmm, is to sing the national anthem, you should be able to. To grow up in a world where you can do that at an NBA game, I think it was NBA. I don't know who the Bucks play for. Is that an NBA team? I, it don't matter.
1: But well, you said the Bucks, and I'm like the Buccaneers. I know we're in Tampa from when I used to live there, but I don't think this was a football game.
0: It was, was a basketball game. game.
1: It was a sports ball.
0: Anyway, now we all we sound we sounded like the worst queer people <laughs> like Ooh, sports. I, don't,
1: I don't know what those people Yikes. do with that game right. it was a hockey game <laughs> where they shot a score you and your but, foosball
0: anyway but i appreciate that reframing because absolutely why 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 are why do we as a culture put so much stock in the singing of the national anthem right in the first place why is that song the 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 emblem of alleged patriotism that it is? When the reality is, we really should be uplifting these types of performances of the national anthem that are a little, you know, low, you know, cattywampus, as they used to say back of the day. Because I think because. Because I think it is actually a representation of the socio-political environment that we are currently living through. Yes, it was horrible. Yes, it was bad. Because we are living through horrible, bad things. It reminds me of, and I'll get off my soapbox shortly. It reminds me of. Please do. Okay? <laughs> the 2018 performance by a one Fergalicious definition make the boys go local. Okay? If you remember that moment. We all were like, oh my God, did she hear herself? Because this is horrible. But if you think of it, like I think of it, it actually was very apt for the times that we were living through in 2018. (laughs) In the same ways that Flavor Flav is servicing the culture right now, actually. I,
1: okay. You know, Mm -hmm. this makes me think about when Roseanne Barr... Saying the national anthem yeah 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 um roseanne barr one of the few people i know that has blocked me on twitter she is
0: love that you for you for <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: i enjoyed it too i was like oh, you know i'm gonna take that one it was during the election in 2016 it was a lot but i it was a it was a moment where like there was so much criticism of her performance and they were like oh she was so terrible she was this she was that and i'm like y'all hired roseanne barr to sing the national anthem Mm -hmm. what did you expect her to give you right like what did you think this was going to be and even to the point about like flavor flave and like wanting to perform like honey if there's if we live in a world where someone will say yes go get your fucking life right have a blast yeah fall for fall face forward into it get your life i didn't necessarily have to enjoy it right? Like, but I'm excited to see you live your dream because I got some of my own and I want to get those too. So like sure. You know what? <laughs> this was a moment though.
0: <laughs> you want, you know what? I, I like I said, you know, fabulous job, big up one you uh, Flavor flavor or whatever people say. I would have also loved if he had just like wrapped it. You know what I mean? If he, if you know, make it, make it yon's. You know what I mean? It's interesting that you say that because it makes me
1: also think about Marvin Gaye singing the uh, national anthem. And like, he, baby, he made it his own. And like, I know that they're like, we're from what I understand. And I, I've tried to research this, but it's hard to kind of find it. But like Marvin Gaye sang the national anthem at, um, I believe it was the All-Star Game or something like that. Um, it was 40 years ago, uh, this, eight, this February. Um, and like, he sang it in such a, a a way that like people were upset about it that they said it wasn't respectful and all this other shit. And I think to your point about like, why is it this thing that we hold up in the way that we do? So many black folks don't give a fuck about the national anthem are not standing up or not like crossing their heart and pledging allegiance. Um, because it doesn't feel it doesn't, feel like it's for everyone right everyone doesn't feel included in that and so when I see the national anthem being performed it also hits a different kind of way for me um in these moments as well but uh this was this
0: was I'm (laughs) glad this was fun and that's why my personal national anthem is baby making hips by Fantasia all right beautiful people we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're going to get into the Fantae. Of all the Fantasia, <laughs> of all the Fantasia baby making him. <laughs> Let it go, friend. We in the break. No, we're not. We no, no, break, no. Because
1: the people need to know. <laughs> it couldn't be lose to win. It couldn't be, I believe. It, baby make. Go to break. Go to break.
0: <sighs> Listen listen y'all know y'all let them people say i believe the children are the future that's fantasia's version of i believe the children are the future baby making hips produce the children who become the future
1: before we before we go because now this break really still hasn't happened yet do you believe
0: (laughs) do you believe
1: that moment for life is what nikki banaj believes is her halo I'm going to let you sit on that. We'll come back to it later.
0: <laughs> Please get get out. Let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Someone
1: said that to me and I wanted to
0: fight. We'll go to break. Go to break, Paul Palmeira. Go to break. A Queer History of Aerospace is a new audio miniseries from the Museum of Flight premiering October 24th. That means it's out right now, y'all. Go check it out. Located in Seattle, Washington, the Museum of Flight is the largest private nonprofit air and space museum in the world. And A Queer History of Aerospace explores the ways the LGBTQ plus community has shaped aviation and space exploration and the ways the industry has impacted the LGBTQ plus community meme to i
1: I'm excited about this. I'm actually going to be visiting Seattle soon. And so I'm looking forward to the possibilities of being able to go check out the queer history of flight. I feel like the the ways that queer people contribute to history is something that we don't necessarily get enough appreciation for um, in our culture. And so I'm excited to check it out. You can listen to the show at museumofflight.org podcast or search the flight deck on your favorite streaming service. New episodes every Tuesday. Welcome back to The Fanty. So, uh, one of the topics I've long wanted to discuss on the show, but have pushed off for weeks and months and seasons, and now we're up, almost up out of here, it's been one of the topics that has been really on me for the longest. And I also found these two perfect people to kiki with me, since my co-hostrin just, quote, can't relate. Sorry about it. <laughs> this week, we're talking about Chris's family. Courtney, Kimberly, Chloe, Kendall, Kylie... Maybe Rob. You may know them as their Hulu show is titled The Kardashians.
2: Not you left
0: out Caitlin.
2: <laughs> K- Caitlin left out th- herself. Caitlin
3: ostracized herself.
1: K- Caitlin Caitlyn yes. left the show about thir- <laughs> You know what? Look, I am in my introduction, please. I'm sorry. <sighs> I will pull the show over and nobody will get Kardashians. <laughs> you may know them as their hulu show is titled the kardashians i've you know what i knew it was gonna be some shit with y'all i knew it i knew it i've watched just about every season of their universe of shows something i don't think i realized until i just wrote that While we will get to the innumerable criticisms of their family and their empire, I hear you, dear listener, asking yourself, now what? What a brilliant, talented, thoughtful, handsome leader like professional journalist, author icon, Jared Hill. Oh, wow. Find a value in a Kardashian. I know it it really struck your soul, didn't it? I mean, it did something. I'm so glad that you asked. (laughs) I've been in therapy trying to figure out. The answer to this question myself. What is it about the Kardashians that really just speaks to me? And so I found there were actually many things and in a very unconventional move. I'm going to start my fan here in my intro Mm -hmm. because I don't think I'm going to be able to get a word in edgewise a little bit later. The thing (laughs) after I make these introductions. (laughs) Mm -hmm. My fan with the Kardashians, one, I appreciate the ambition, the way that they are, are like big dreamers and going after all of these cool, amazing things that they're able to pull off, largely because of whiteness and money. But we'll talk about that in a moment. I love a lot of their design and their creative, their interior design, their fashion, the ways that their their products show up in the world. And... I find them to be a really interesting, modern depiction of a blended family as a person who has multiple parents across various families, right?
0: You ate that one. So
1: I brought here to completely validate me and my perspective <laughs> as a fan, two friends of the show. Our returning champion, making her third appearance on Fans High, is one of my absolute favorite creative artists, storytellers, and friends, Ms. Amber Abundance. Welcome back to Fans Pew, 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 pew.
2: Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> I just want to note, you're getting a lower register because it's Halloween weekend.
0: And you've been living your best life, okay? She's been
1: outside. She's been outside. We should have had you on last week.
2: Is this a safe space? I didn't even check in if this was a safe space for the Kardashians, but here we go.
1: I'm coming out as a bitch who watches the Kardashians. God damn it. Only for y'all, okay? Well, we appreciate this coming out. I know it's actually a little bit challenging, but we'll get into that in just a moment. Um, we've shouted out him and his show here on the on our show before. travel has been on his show, and he's a friend of both of ours, and we're excited to have you on before the end of uh, Fanta. The host of Archie, the podcast, it's Archie J. Welcome to Fanta.
3: <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on this iconic show. Um, while I don't know if it's a safe space, I do know that it's a brave space, and so I... Will go ahead and say that yes, I do love the Kardashians. But we knew that already, Archie. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm just going to record.
1: Okay, so I I I want to say this is a safe space because we are here in numbers. Um, we are outnumbering the dissenters, <laughs> right? We are we are in safe space, and because of the dynamic that Archie really just pointed out here, going to our opening question. The opening question is. Travel, why do you hate the Kardashians?
0: Well, I do not hate those people, okay? And I, you know what? You mentioned in your intro that you have wanted to do this topic for, you know, God knows how long. And he is correct. I will agree and say that he has wanted to do it for so long. And initially when he brought it up, I said, oh, please, not them white women. I said, my God, I said, oh, <laughs> I just, you know. I I used to be in a space where I I would hear their name and my body would just sink into itself. You know what I mean? And now I'm so glad that we finally circled back to this conversation. Because now, you know, my body doesn't sink into itself when I hear their name. Like, I just don't even, it's just like, oh, the Kardashians. So I don't hate them. I don't even regard them. Does your body sink into a skim? (laughs) Now, let's talk about it. On my other show, Wood a Day, okay, available every weekday morning, okay, wherever you listen to fabulous podcasts, Skims was a sponsor. So I got a free selection of the Skims. And baby, mm. baby, I said, my God, mm. I said, snatched it up. Listen, that fabric, that's when it started. Okay, I don't know what you know 12th wonder of the world they located that artificially uh intelligence produced item but it is so good it is so buttery it is so wonderful and you know shout out to her
1: so okay this is a great way to be able to bring in amber and archie amber talk to me about like what is your favorite like touch point with the kardashians how do you engage them the most and what do you love about them You know,
2: before it got out of hand, um, I remember when Keeping Up with the Kardashians was on. And as a kid, I was watching it and they had this like ocean phone. It was like a Nokia phone. Mm. And I remember becoming obsessed with the phone. Like this was before the iPhone. That was my first touch point of like, Mm. oh, I'm being sold something. I'm being sold whatever this is. And it was at a very low level and when people were kind of um, writing them off as kind of frivolous like they have no power they mean nothing so now that we're looking at this like these bil- this billionaire family it's just fascinating for me from um, a cultural standpoint so right now i disengaged from keeping up with the kardashians became a black feminist went to college fought for justice you know did all those things and then I find myself back with this new docu-series era of being like, oh, we're watching mm. what it was like for for like the Carnegie family to come into existence. Like mm. we're seeing an inside view of a conglomerate form on us. Now, I feel like anything I say after that will be seen as like, you can flip it however you want to flip it. right?" But it's important for me to know the culture that's coming at us Mm -hmm. and when kim started talking about criminal justice reform and literally freeing one person at a time i was like okay let me tune in and then there's the other side of it that really speaks to me which is the glamour and the entertainment of it all like it's the wildest social experiment i have personally seen documented on tv and like I just love a lie. I love watching people lie to my face. <laughs> it, I don't know if that's my kink, but like watching them lie like that, like the gym scenes, babes. Please. The gym scenes are... Un- I babes. love a white woman train wreck. And that's the key. Listen that I feel like sets me apart from other (laughs) Kardashian watchers. You must always remember, them are some white women. Don't you ever get it twisted? Now we can talk about the clothes (laughs) on the next round, but the sizing, my God, okay? I'm sorry, I've thought about it. No one has asked me shit about the Kardashians, but you.
1: So I have been sitting on an analysis, bitch. So sorry. Go on. Archie, I, I hate to ask you to follow that, but my God today. <laughs> so, Archie, I imagine you see this through a very different lens. I'm curious about how the Kardashians, like, how, how do they show up in your in your day-to-day? Or in your life, I should say.
3: Yeah. So I think some of my earliest memories was I watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians season one, and I immediately fell in love with this whole operation of this this family starting from a you know an interesting point. You know we have we have the tape, we have you know the little history of an OJ moment. So but I'm veering in on who these people are, and then them capitalizing on their nuances of just like being chaotic was really appealing to me in a sense. And so I remember my first touch point was like if it's a product it was the it was 2009 the first fragrance kim ever did it was the black pink I actually just the other day thought about I need to look that up on amazon just because it had a nice fruity essence to go with the also the masculine musk that I like to wear on my daily and so that was my first touch point really um but yeah I just I the operation of who they are now and now going from the from the reality show to the docu-series, I think it's really interesting how, um, and other black reality shows have talked about this, I think specifically, like, NeNe leaks about how in reality shows, they don't allow them to show the business side of things, but I think it's so interesting that that's all we get now with the Kardashians, they're, like, you know, preparing us for the product, and different things, and marketing to come down the line, and it's like, you know, we don't, they don't have to sit and do what the other reality shows do, and so, going back and forth with those two things from like my reality franchises of the housewives to the Kardashians is a very interesting duality to me. So I actually say we're looking
1: at this from the fan and the anti lens. Right. And like thinking about the things that we enjoy and the things that we don't and like, one of the things that I wrote down as my fan is that I really appreciate getting to see more of Kim's work with wrongfully convicted folks, to see her how she's building Skims, to see her speaking at you know Harvard Business School. To like, I'm fascinated by the business element, right? And like, I I, I think it's really interesting to be able to get to see into that world. And both of you have kind of touched on like being able to kind of see how this empire is being built, and that is such an interesting piece of this story, right? Is like. We've all seen them. I, I was trying to think of like how I was introduced to them. And it's such a hard thing for me because they seem like they've always been around. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Kim was a part of what came out of the Paris Hilton ness of everything with like uh what whatever that show was that she did with Nicole Richie, The Simple Life or something. And it's just kind of interesting to see how we've they've been ubiquitous and we, we see them everywhere. Amber, you were gonna say something.
2: Yeah, I think it's also I know. As I say these things, I come up with the critique of it, but... Yes!
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's why I didn't want to have this conversation.
2: I know. I want you to know that I know. I know. But there's something for... You mentioned the family element. I grew up in a family full of women, like a true blue matriarchy. And there is a documentary called... Oh, I lost it that quick. Mm. But it's about influencer culture. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of influencer culture is undermined because we engage through it through women. And I think women are historically positioned as not good business owners. We're not seen as business savvy, but we're seen as only the face of products, Or only able to sell them, but not have any kind of equity or background in that product. So there is this big fascination of how do you build a life based on your interests that we're seeing happen? Like, all these girls do is sit, not all, but a big part of their life is sitting in glam all day and then like selling products. That they clearly also use which i think is kind of like brilliant and there's a lot that i want to say specifically about good american and on the show they talk about this but because chloe has had this and it also tells you how wild fat phobia is that chloe was considered to be like the biggest person ever considering where her and her sisters had the ability to shop. So she always had to go to these like back rooms to pull bigger sizes. So fast forward to Good American, where the size range is almost pushing up to a 30, and they're in the process of opening the store. But with Good American, if you go to Nordstrom's, you can buy a plus size next to a small size which is like unheard of. Like most plus size clothing is sold online. You can't try it on, you can't go to the store. So there's a lot happening even around the body dysmorphia legacy of the Kardashians in terms of what they're offering in terms of products. So I just find that very interesting and something that if you really wanna offer up a critique of the Kardashians, you have to take very seriously what's missing from the culture and how they serve it. How they are appropriating black women, but also serving black women at the same time. Like their aesthetic, their ability to lean into femme culture is something that we're constantly judged about. And here they are doing it. And every year there's a rumor about where they can and can't go because of their participation, really in femme culture, right? And every year they're like, actually, bitch, we are still going to the Met. Mm -hmm. The fuck you thought? And ideally, I want that to be offered directly to black women, right? Because that is the relationship. But it's also a triumph for me to watch them kind of like circumvent the overwhelming patriarchy of Kanye West like Mm. we not only saw that with the Kardashians we're seeing it with Julia Fox where these men come in and try and dominate these women and they're like hold on not so fast you really need us as storytellers as aesthetic as the culture as the people who actually wear the cool to move anything in the world so it's like this weird give and take where you have to be very serious about um, what you're leaving and very serious about what you're taking from them, you know? So, yeah, I hope, I I hate that I lost my voice, but I hope that I'm communicating this well in terms of how violent our culture is in terms of patriarchy, Mm -hmm. that even the slightest resistance, whether it's based in a politic or not, can kind of propel you forward with the folks who are historically marginalized by it. Does that make sense?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I have not thought about it that way. I have not thought about it that way. That's really good. This is literally
2: why I'm watching them is watching how women can, yeah, I think a lot of my identity is politicized. Um, a lot. I was laughing with you all before we came on that people hardly ever engage with me on the joys and pleasures of being a femme, of like, okay, what are you into? What lip are you wearing? How are you wearing your hair? How does that give you power, right? Like, if we're being honest, what we put on our body gives us um, control, right, of as much as we can have in terms of perception. And as someone who is especially bigger bodied and dark skinned, I know that my relationship with femininity is mine, right? Everywhere I go is denied to me. So it's kind of like I have decided this is the game that I'm playing for myself. I'm allowed to have fun with my aesthetic. I'm allowed to show up in different ways. And I really get that from our it girls in culture, like Aaliyah's interlude and the Kardashians. And, yeah, I love it, it girl. So, really, that's what has kept me as a fan, as an audience member, Mm -hmm. of being like, oh, this is kind of audacious, that you're like, yeah, I'm selling lip kits, bitch, like, and that's going to (laughs) propel, like, (laughs) they be trying to make us sell, (laughs) like, you know, um, just the pressure of being a black business owner is like, You have to think about what this means and the legacy and the history and all these other things. And I kind of want to put that down sometimes. I want to play. And I think people Mm -hmm. hate that. They don't like to see women do that all the
0: time. Oh, that'll preach. (laughs) You don't. You done said a lot there, honey, baby. It's going to preach. It's going to launch a thousand think pieces yeah. and, you know, <laughs> theses. You know, somebody could write a master's thesis on that, okay? Doctoral <laughs> thesis on yeah. that analysis right there. But what I love about what you said is the the role of the, the feminist, the femininity, um, and how our society often responds to it. Which now makes me want to point a question toward the means.
1: You said that, like, we should be startled by the title. Like,
0: <laughs> men? No, you just gotta punctuate certain words, you know, to signal a shift. In terms of, like, after hearing kind of this, you know, politicized and, like, I think deeply, you know, embodied, right, perspective that Amber. Um, has articulated about what she gets from, you know, the presence and the the exploitation and the wielding of, right, femininity and femness. What are y'all getting from, you know, the Kardashians that keeps you coming back after all these years?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think... I think for me, um, I I often say that the Kardashians helped raise me, because I mean I was a very young adolescent tuning into them, and so how I show up like an entertainment space, I'm a digital creator. When I do things, it is around this this like ideology of a production of the Kardashians. And that's how I like to view it and showing up to different things and like nuances and play on words. And so they've inspired every single thing I've done. And then also working in like a digital strategy standpoint, Kim sets the tone for everything on Instagram. And she did since day one, even looking at it like that, that's like my biggest takeaway. But well, sometimes I struggle with understanding how the mass general public does not like the Kardashians but yet they tune in and like you know they follow every trend that they set and there's always something to say and we honestly kind of keep them relevant like they are very powerful in our face and so to a certain degree they're going to do that anyway but we are the ones who are continuing their story. Well I would say really quickly I think that's an interesting piece of the Kardashian
1: story is that there's a full economy built on like hating them, but like everybody can't hate them if they're the biggest, the most followed people on said platforms. If they have the number one shows on, on television, if they have the top selling brand of the this and that, like, and I found this conversation interesting when I would talk to my black woman friends who were all wearing skims but hate the Kardashians, right? Can't stand Kim, but, like, oh, but those skims... Like, it was always that, and, like, I've heard that for years. And so, for me, it's been interesting to watch the dynamic of my... Two truths can exist, Jarrett. No, absolutely, right? Like... Like, we hate Donald (laughs) Trump and, like, the celebrity apprentice was really entertaining. You know what I mean? Like, there were were both of those things at the same time. But no, it's been an interesting dynamic to watch, like, the the black women in my life who engage the Kardashians and, like, because I feel like the lens of black women has been the lens that's most interesting to me with the Kardashians because of the ways we've seen appropriation because of the ways we've seen um, the, the Kardashians show up with black men in so many of these spaces and the conversations we have about black women and black men, there's been so many interesting elements of the ways that they show up in the world that even, even the hate of them Mm -hmm. is such Mm -hmm. a huge economy. And I was thinking about, I know that they know the number um, because and, and Archie, as you talk about, like the social strategy piece of it, I know that there is someone who has calculated the amount of money and clicks and views generated off of like responding to the Kardashians. Right. Not just not the things that they're putting out into the world, but the way that people respond to it with tweets and, and memes and reels and mm-hmm. videos and YouTube and TikToks and all like they are such a huge economy just for like responding to them.
3: Yeah. And it's all like started by us. And so that kind of data is, you know, looked at like they don't even have to say anything. We're starting that conversation for them. But I also think it's really interesting, too, because to be a black gay man and to watch like the Kardashians and to look at Kim, there's there's like. Uh, there's a certain amount of femininity that she exudes that I take on. You know, I'm like, okay, but like when I wear this, I want to give this Kim aesthetic. And it's like, you're a whole different human being up outside of that. Um, it's like, let me tuck this black t shirt in with the high waisted jean and like, you know, a little shoe. I don't know. I'm personally obsessed with Kim Kardashian, um, as well as Chloe and Chris, but. Not this Courtney Kendall Kylie shade. <laughs> I have 818 back there.
1: <laughs> See, you in it, you deep in it. And I will say
2: the other side of the business piece, they're not showing everything they can show about Chris Mm -mm. and what's going on there. We got a perspective on her literally. Kim, like, played a joke about going on The Bachelorette and the way Kris Jenner called the head of Disney and the head of Disney picked up. I was gagged. I was gagged.
1: Well, like, can we we hang out there for a moment? I thought it... It was such a great demonstration of the power of this family now. And for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, Kim pulls a prank on the family telling them that she's going to be the new bachelorette. And everyone in the family is like, are you fucking stupid? What? Uh Uh-uh. And like, everyone's mad. And Chris is like... (laughs) She calls the president of ABC and is like, uh, like within moments, right? She's on the phone and saying like, can we bring Kim's glam? Like, right. She's like, what is your budget for Kim's lighting? What is your budget for Kim's glam? Where are you going to be keeping Kim? Like asking him on the phone in moments. And it was interesting to me to be able to see like Kris Jenner has become a person who can call him on her cell phone. In the middle of the day and get him on the line, right? It was just, yeah. it was interesting. And then the other side of it is a lot of
2: times when people engage with the critiques of, I I will say, when I engage with the critiques of the Kardashians, it's oftentimes through this perspective of how they treat black men and what about black men and da-da-da-da-da. Meanwhile, you watch the show, black women Black men are dying to be a part of the Kardashian crew. Like, they're calling up Babyface, Dave Chappelle, all them. And it's like, I'm also in my era of, honey, pick somebody else. Pick somebody else to come to y'all's defense because y'all won't even (laughs) stop watching football on behalf of your own, you know? (laughs) So it's like, everybody wants to engage me on being like, oh, I need to protect these very powerful already powerful black men who are like caught in the claws of the Kardashians, which again is just, to me, it's giving femphobia, phobia, right? It's like they are making choices to be there. Like it is important. We're watching Tristan who, <laughs> this man, I don't, it's like rocks are kicking around up here. Like they keep trying to engage him as smart And I'm like, are you listening to him talk like he's offering nothing? He's just, oh, my God. But they clearly are helping him build a career that he would not be able to access on his own at all.
3: It's very fascinating to watch Tristan on the show this season. To that, I wanted to say the same thing with like the whole ABC Disney situation. I think it was really interesting for me because. I feel like this season I was like, okay, wow, this is a this is a mafia kind of family, essentially. Because Chris apparently was talking about talking to Tristan about his new job because now he's a sports commentator. And so it was really interesting to me how she made one call, he didn't audition, she's like, How do you like your job? But his agent couldn't do that. Like nobody else did like and so it's like you want to be tied to this family because the access is undeniable.
2: Right. And I think that a lot of from the the story arcs around the black women who are connected to them. It's like, cause I know I I suffer from that in my personal life where it's like, Oh, I want to be your friend and I don't need anything. I don't want anything. And it's like milk them for everything they have. You don't have to be their real life friend because Tristan isn't, <laughs> and he's a baby daddy. He literally has, genetics in the game and is a terrorist to them. So it's like really
1: interesting. Oh my god. So I think this is actually a really interesting piece because like part of me wants to ask if you think Chloe and Tristan should get back together and part of me would never ask that kind of question in a platform like this. I'm just like you're too rich.
2: You're too... If I had that amount of money, wasting time on a fool is at the very bottom of the list. Like... I can only imagine the adventures that Kylie is and Really, um, what's the girl's name? What's the other sister? Kendall. That she's getting into, barely playing this game with her mother of dating. Because one, I think the child is family, first and foremost. Mm. But like, it's giving. If they got back together or didn't get back together, leave Calabasas, bitch. Go on an adventure. Be, take a note from the... They're like driving around old school, like, Porsches. Get a hobby. Step your pussy up. Like, there's just... I would not be focusing <laughs> on the men. But that is a big part of the Kardashian empire is family planning. Okay? You got to get the kids out. That is also... we wo- I woke up this morning before getting on here, and we see North Fa- Northwest... North Face, Northwest on the cover of I.D. Why? But it's like the power of like the coochie. I'm sorry. It's just it's it's wild to see. And I just wish people, if you can stomach <laughs> it, would tune in to be like, wow, is this what's going on over here? Yes. It's really as simplistic as having a baby, dressing sickening. And sitting in nail hair and makeup and serving a look. I, I really am worried that I sound incoherent because the way I am not allowed to talk this long about the Kardashians with any of my friends, they're like, shut the fuck up. Like, no,
1: no, no, you don't. My- I have been wanting to have a conversation about this with people that can like think about it and analyze it and like get it. And like, I'm so excited that we're able to do this. And like, I do feel like there's probably a whole other host of conversations I have around them because you just brought up North and I'm thinking about like these celebrity children, right? I'm thinking about the Northwest and the blue ivies and the, 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 the name, 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 name.
2: Y'all better find another job. Cause them kids is taking it. <laughs> there's not going to be any jobs left. These kids are too iconic.
1: Find something else to do. Oh, my God. Trayvon, I think you wanted to say something.
0: Um, I was just going to say um, to your concern about um, being incoherent, you should not because you had me at social experiment. You had me at social experiment 30 minutes ago, okay? And I was like, oh, wow. I did not think to look at the Kardashian-Jenner enterprise as, you know, Uh, Yet another example of us living through a case study um, and being able to witness it unfold, you know, right before us, you know, it's like, wow. And I've I've been saying that about so many other things that we are experiencing in life at this particular moment. Um, But applying it to the Kardashians, it really blew my fucking mind. Um, And now I'm like, oh, I need to dive in. Um, I need to go to school.
2: You can really start with the
0: docu-series, honestly. That's this last one that's on the Hulu's? Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Travel, did you have a last question before we wrap up here?
0: I didn't. Um, you know, y'all have given me so much to think about. Um, and and I also feel like y'all have hit on, you know, we've hit on the positives but, and also given the critique as well. Um, I think this is going to be one of the interesting ones for the listeners. And so thank you all both, both of you and you, Jared, too. Not gonna
1: lie, there's there's more content in this because I feel like there's not like good thoughtful analysis around the carda- no, Let me not say that there is not. I just haven't seen a whole lot of it.
2: All the analysis is white women. All the analysis is white women. So it's missing a racial lens, or a racialized lens which you cannot engage with them without. Like, mm. So it's just like Oh, the the combination of capitalism, uh, um, racism, racialized um, femininity like it's all there like it's all there in ways that in other aspects of our it, it's it is similar to what you can engage with when you do a deep analysis of Beyonce's empire and looking at how that's rubbing up against and one Beyonce is constantly referenced by these girls like they are stands like they are true stands i i I will stop here because i know we're at time but i just want to make the case Mm -hmm. for doing a close read of the kardashians in terms of being present for something that will impact us for years and years to come that's all i'm saying
1: I, I, I think there's something more here. I don't know what it is, but we we going to talk. Mm-hmm. we go going to talk and figure out what it is. Um, before we go, please tell people where they can find out more about what you're doing. Archie, I'll let you go first. Talk to them about Archie, the podcast, and where they can find you on the social media.
3: Yes, um, uh, definitely tune into Archie the Podcast, season one, two, and three. We are working on coming back for season four. Um, it's street talk meets self-help, and we really go there. We talk the stresses and the messes of life, dating, and everything in between there. Um, but you can follow me on social media at Archie J Speaks. That's J-A-Y, and the podcast is at Archie the Podcast.
1: Amber, tell people about what you're working on and where they can connect with you.
2: Well, you can connect with me on the Instagram at Amber Abundance. You can also follow my artistic, world-building, early-stage work over at, at Ample World on Instagram as well. You know, I'm in my research phase in terms of my next projects, so you just have to stay with me join the the instagram and the tiktok which is also amber abundance at amber abundance and just stay tuned because she's always in her era of different moody moments and that l- literally always leads to some kind of art project um but i'm always <laughs> down to talk my shit in the meantime in between time
1: we appreciate both of y'all in this like th- i'm so happy we did this y'all don't even understand what go ahead archie
3: Jared, did you, do you have the Skims men? Just curious. Just announced, just announced partnership with NBA. I don't have it
1: yet. Um, <laughs> but I I did see it and I was like,
3: hmm, I'm not mad at this. And, but I also felt. Do you Archie? Of course Archie does. I had the, I had the, I had the, I, no, no, no. I had the gender, the the gender, you know, the boyfriend collection, the gender neutral one last year, but I'm, got, I'm about to get into it. Mm-hmm yeah i felt so directly marketed
1: to by it that i was like i can't buy it immediately i have to wait i just have to wait a moment um uh, we want to hear from (laughs) we want to hear from y'all about what you think about the kardashians and all of the thoughts that we've given you here hit us up on the social media at uh fans high podcast on twitter x instagram TikTok, youtube all the different places um and you can hit us up uh in the comments as well you can uh, uh what else are we doing here i
0: don't know girl telling people to go to break oh
1: Coming up, why y'all hate us so much, and listener feedback and our dishonorable mentions. We'll be right back.
3: I'm Jordan Cruciola, host of Feeling Seen, where we start by asking our guests just one question What movie character made you feel seen?
0: I knew exactly what it was Clementine from Eternal Sunshine of the
3: Spotless Mind.
1: Joy Wang slash. Shabu Tupaki.
3: That one question launches amazing conversations about their lives, the movies they love, and about the past, present, and future of entertainment.
1: Roy in uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind.
3: I worry about what this might say about me, but I've brought Tracy Flick in the film Election. So if you like movies, diverse perspectives, and great conversations, check us out. Oof, this is real. New episodes of Feeling Scene drop every week on MaximumFun.org. Oh my gosh, hi, it's me, Dave Holmes, host of the pop culture game show, Troubled Waters. On Troubled Waters, we play a whole host of games, like one where I describe a show using a limerick, and our guests have to figure out what it is. Let's do one right now. What show am I talking about? This podcast has game after game, and brilliant guests who come play you. The host is named Dave. It could be your fave, so try it. Life won't be the same. Uh, a Big Business, starring Bette Midler and Lily Tomlin. Close, but no. Oh, Is it Troubled Waters,
1: the pop culture quiz show with all your favorite comedians?
3: Yes, Troubled Waters is the answer to this question and all of my life's problems. Now, legally, we actually can't guarantee that. But you can find it on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back, beautiful people. We are going to get into our listener feedback segment. Um, and we have an email here from Hannah. Hannah says, So I live in Victoria, a pretty artsy, progressive, queer, positive city. More and more, I see gender non-conforming people out in my world, bravely flaunting their true selves. I'd say I notice people daily. At my kids' school, they stopped using binary terms to address people in groups in general and don't do any binary division of students like for sex ed or any other reason. Gender-neutral bathrooms are on every floor, all good stuff. My 13-year-old daughter identifies as a cis queer girl in a very matter-of-fact, non-issue kind of way, as it should be, and is very political about trans issues. So heaven forbid I make a comment say while driving by like oh check out her cool bag when i tell you i get a ripping guess you would say dragged from my daughter assuming gender again mother i am not judging this person this is the mother speaking this is hannah i am not judging this person nor directing a pronoun pronoun at them directly we are just driving past i do find myself saying you know sometimes people are just boys or girls and i am not even interacting with them Would you say that we are in a time when people should ideally completely refrain from using gender binary language? Is it offensive of me to wonder if that is necessary? When interacting with someone who appears genderqueer, I'm always very conscious of my language or sometimes ask preferred pronouns or just give them an extra friendly smile or queer family wink, vibe because I want them to feel acknowledged and supported, but also just normal and everyday-ish. I kind of think my daughter is blowing things out of proportion a bit but i could be wrong tell me please forever fan hannah i i wanted to call this a tough question But I'm not sure it's tough.
1: I was going to say, well, as the authority on this converse, on this issue and this conversation, I'd love to start. Go ahead. I'm curious how you want to, how you think about this.
0: I do think that we should all make a habit of asking everyone their pronouns, whether or not people present in a gender nonconforming or transgressive, you know, uh, uh, type of way. Um, in terms of their their presentation, I think we we should all do that. Wh- why? Because, you know, people who use gender expansive language for themselves can look a variety of different ways. And that is how we build this inclusive um, society and promise land that we say we want. Next, I would say you said,, <laughs> uh, is it offensive of me to wonder if that is, necessary this idea of completely refraining from using gender binary language i think that it is important to recognize that language and its various meanings shift and mean different things in different spaces different groups and when said by different people because me saying oh look at her bag to Anybody of a variety of gender identities and gender presentations is going to hit differently than someone else doing it um because of the various identities that I hold and the ways that I move through various communities. And so I think that's something that you, you we all should be cognizant of. Is it offensive of you to think or believe that that is completely unnecessary? No, but it is it is old-minded. And you know, we were just talking but but you know, early in the show we talked about the children being the future. Um if we believe that is true, then you need to be taking your daughter do- your 13-year-old daughters, example, about the type of world that she is trying to live in. And if you care about your child, you love your child. You choose how you want to respond to that in kind. Jerry, you are screwing your face up. So you will disagree or feel complex and complicado at minimum. Uh, It's not that I disagree. I I think
1: the language of old minded might be a little bit strong, but I think that we are in a generation now where the younger people are, much more exposed to ideas that we all can like live in various different kinds of ways that we can show up in the world in different kinds of ways. Um, and that we shouldn't make assumptions about who people are. And so like, I think that that's something that is much more a part of our, our mainstream culture or is becoming much more part of mainstream culture than it has been, um, in recent years, but like, it's also not something that is new. Right. Um, It is something that has been around that has existed in various different kinds of ways. But like power has said whether or not it was okay to exist or to be, you know, visible and in the forefront. So,
0: okay, I just want to clarify one second. One second. I just want to clarify. It is old minded. It is an old minded. It is because it's old, traditional, conservative, whatever, but it is old. And you just articulated that by talking about the generational difference. So I just want to be clear. I don't say old in in a in a derogatory way. I just m- mean it purely in the sense that the kids don't, as you just articulate, the kids don't, the kids, the kids ain't doing that. The kid, the kid as your daughter is reflecting, and so I just want to clarify that real quick before we 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 slid right on out of there. We should also remind people that. We are accepting the SpeakPipes for, you know, as we know, we are cycling through the uh, uh, our swan song of the fan tie We are compiling your listener feedback in the form of these vi- vi- voice memos for one of our final shows. Okay, so remember to do that um, at SpeakPipe.com slash You about to say something. It looked like I cut you off, though.
1: No, that was what I was going to say. Just reminding people about the SpeakPipe. So, um. That was it. Um, okay, it is now time for our dishonorable mentions. These are the stories or people that caught our attention this week that deserve a call out, either for their good or for their stupid. Treyvel, uh, you want to get us
0: started? Um, I just have two, two, two. Did I talk about this uh, documentary that I'm in with the Blacksonian on the show? I can't remember
1: we talked about we plugged it
0: last week i think okay praise the lord okay fine scratch that these other two documentaries that i watched recently that i just want to you know encourage people to check out silver dollar road and after Sherman, they both are documentaries that explore and talk about the difficulties, um, in particular, of black folks on the southern coasts of, um, I believe, both are South Carolina. Uh, y'all know my memory bed, but the folks how they've been struggling to maintain and keep their land. It's a similar story that we've heard about Black farmers throughout the South struggling to to keep their land over, you know, many, many decades and and years. And so Silver Dollar Road just recently came out on Amazon Prime. And after Sherman, you can rent it on Amazon um, as well. Just two really great documentaries that I think um, explored that history and, you know, Everybody knows them from South Carolina and Charleston, Gullah Geechee folks and, you know, everybody on the coastal islands. Um, And so both of those documentaries kind of hit home in that special way. So I just want to shout them out for the people in the audience. What about for you?
1: Um, First, I want to give a shout out to John Batiste. John Batiste had, uh, as you might have known him as the musical director on... Uh, the late, late The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. He's also like a very celebrated musician. There was a a clip of him on Instagram that I saw this week that I just thought was amazing. He's uh, talking with Chris Wallace, um, and Chris asks him if he could um, kind of meld together classical and jazz. I believe it was, and like the way that he took Beethoven and jazzed it up and like made it something you recognize but have never heard before. Um, was just incredible and I wanted to let y'all hear just like a clip of how he did
0: that. Yeah, of course, I mean, this we were just messing around being that we had Julia, you know, Beethoven, you know.
1: is amazing. So you can check that out on John's um, Instagram. It was just a, a really, really great video, and I enjoyed that. I just watched a a Max original documentary. It's about 40 minutes long called Taking on Taylor Swift. I remember, you probably remember, she had a song in 2014 called Shake It Off. And uh, the writers of 3LW's um, song where they have the lyric, uh, play is going to play and hate is going to hate, had sued Taylor Swift saying that she had stolen their lyric. And like this documentary kind of digs into that. And it was... A story that I did not really pay a whole lot of attention to. I remember the story breaking and kind of seeing it evolve over the years. But like they dig into the conversation about why this became the lawsuit that it was. And they're in the court case and hearing people talk about it. And I thought it was really interesting. So you might want to check that out. Um, I want to give a shout out to a YouTuber named Jordy Ray. She is uh, she hosts a YouTube show called Do I Know You? And it focuses on conversations from. People who are either siblings or children of celebrities and she is um, a celebrity sister. I started to look into who the celebrity that she's related to is, but I didn't find it. And I actually kind of stopped not wanting to know who who the celebrity is because the whole premise of her show is like talking with people saying that they're more than, you know, so-and-so sibling. It popped into my feed because Sarah Jakes Roberts, my pastor, was on it, and so I watched it, and it was a really fantastic interview. But like, I didn't know until the end that Jordy Ray is 23 years old. She's just kind of like been doing this YouTube channel for about a year, and the interview was really fantastic. And as a journalist, I was like, she's got really great questions and really great insight. So, um, her channel's having a, a bit of a moment right now. So, shout out to Jordy Ray and her interview. Finally, I want to give a shout out to Cumin. Um, I feel like cumin as a spice is something that doesn't get enough of a- respect or appreciation from me. And I've just been using it more in my cooking and I'm enjoying it. And I thought that we should have a moment here to be able to celebrate that and put it into history. And that's all.
0: Love that for you. All right. <laughs> now it's time for Black History is Happening every. Right, today we are talking about Diego LaVelle Cevallos Gazon who made history when he opened the first LGBTQ plus gym, strong hands gym in Chicago. Uh, he's also on the Out 100 this year, along with myself. Um, it says here that after 10 years as a personal trainer and over 15 years as a boxer, Diego is a black queer man who has won over 111 amateur fights and was once ranked 19th nationally. Aside from his long career, Cevallos Gazon has created a safe space for marginalized communities including queer and trans, disabled and folks of color. Here's a quote from him. I aim to bridge the gap within our community advocating for the harmony between masculinity and femininity. It's essential to recognize that both qualities are valuable and we should refrain from marginalizing those who embody them. My goal is to promote unity and demonstrate that we are all allies in this endeavor. This is yet another example of... Um, uh producer palmira muniz afro latino um our show and we love to see it
1: the the verb that you just created there i'm not exactly sure about but we're gonna go with it
0: i am a I am a linguist and a wordsmith okay ow
1: i don't know if you heard but you have a book out
0: put respect on my name <laughs> when i see where the book
1: is ranked on amazon and like references and linguistics i'm like this cannot be that competitive category <laughs> anyway speaking speaking of being linguists and uh, having a book before we go we want to remind you of a few things our new book historically black phrases from i and one of your little friends so who all gonna be there is available right now trey bell's book is <laughs> we see each other a black trans journey through tv and film and the podcast that accompanies that uh is we see each other the podcast the book is available wherever you get good books bad books beautiful books and shitty books too um and if you're watching us on youtube you can check out other seasons of this show by going to fantipodcast.com checking out all four seasons of this show as we wind it down to the end we're in our final episode so we appreciate y'all checking us out on the youtube and wherever you get podcasts if you have a comment or a suggestion about this week's show you can hit us up at fantipodcast on instagram twitter x tiktok instagram or you can send us an email to fanti at maximumfun.org
0: yes and i'm just saying you know listen it's the holiday season okay both of those books make for great gifts especially historically black phrases but both of them books make for great gifts okay as always, if you would like to support the work that Maximum Fund is doing with independent creators, they are a worker owned um, entity now. You can join at slash join. Our music is by Corey, C C-O-R-E. O R, C O R, I mess it up every week. E C E, wherever you get wonderful music. Our graphics are by Ashley Wynn and the folks over at Moon House Creative. Our editor is Anne Marie Huber, and our producer is Palmira Muni.
1: And our singer-producer is
0: Laura
1: Swisher! This is a production of Maximum Fun.
3: Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network
1: of artist-owned shows supported directly by you. We good.